0: with the experience of four failed businesses you have navigated the highs and lows of entrepreneurship and i guess you know the point to be made here that everyone has their own path let's dip into your first big startup
1: i mean i, I cry first year of business and i've hit six figures
0: five figure a month da, 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 da. they can't value these slight small steps it's hard it's hard you know, I started with £100, and then now I have huge business imperial. Gosh, man, I feel like I'm failing. I'm... No, tell the shocking draws. In a boardroom meeting
1: with everybody, including my investment manager, there was a big argument that happened.
0: No matter where you are on your career journey, sometimes you're going to make mistakes, and it's okay. Welcome to Keep Going, the podcast where we talk about big failures that have changed careers for the better. In this episode, we sit down with Amanda Baker, the founder of Five Stories, a storytelling consultancy that helps businesses forge deeper connections through storytelling. Amanda's journey is nothing short of remarkable. At the age of 23, she secured a 150k pounds investment for her fashion startup, Fashionable Skin. But as you'll soon hear, the road to success was paved with three years of relentless hustle, learning, and yes, more than a few burnouts along the way. Stay tuned to discover the invaluable lessons she gained from her journey of determination and resilience. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Your entrepreneurial journey invites the essence of our podcast. With the experience of four failed businesses, you have navigated the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. It's so truly inspiring. And now you have your own storytelling consultancy, five stories. So you are definitely a person who knows how to turn setbacks in the returning stepping stones it's a pleasure to have you on keep going podcast thank you for coming oh, thank you so much for
1: having me I love the theme of your podcast keep going is kind of the thing that I feel like I tell myself every single day and some days I'm like yeah I can keep going and then other days I'm like nope, just leave me on the floor just leave me on the floor like, <laughs> I just need some I just need some time just to have a bit of a break and rest a little bit but yeah
0: Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Thank you. That's good, like a mantra, right? Keep going, but it's hard to repeat every day. (laughs) Sometimes you you want to like repeat, uh, relax. Yeah, keep resting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean that too. I, I think we definitely, as a culture, as a society, especially in entrepreneurship, but just in day to day, every day as well, I really do think that rest is massively underrated, like massively underrated, and that's something that I've had to really learn over the years as an entrepreneur how to prioritize it and when to know like to priori- like when to know to rest as well. Like the the things that happen in your life which say you you need to stop. Like, you just need to stop and you need to just like give yourself a break yeah. and you need to do some inner work to find yourself again because you're completely lost in all of the noise. Like that's been a massive practice for me. Massive.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Sometimes we disvalue this balance, work-life balance. And uh, sometimes even I I have this feeling of constant rushing somewhere. And sometimes I stop myself and just ask where I'm going to, where I'm rushing to. (laughs) I need uh, not to lose this aim why I started this path. Yeah, that's important. As you mentioned, we're a podcast with a very good mantra, keep going. And uh, we are telling stories about resilience and growth how people managed uh, to take their missteps into growth opportunities and uh, did a great work. So, and I know that uh, facing setbacks can be very challenging, even uh, like for everybody. It's hard, it's hard to take setbacks and then decide, okay, I will continue, I will keep going. And uh, I know that many entrepreneurs often grapple with feelings of failure. And also I had to look at your LinkedIn posts recently, and I found that you mentioned uh, that you prefer not to use the word failed when uh, describing your previous businesses or another part of your work. Why? Could you share your perspective on why you avoid that term? And what do you think contributes to the fear of failure that holds people back from pursuing ventures, like uh, starting a business?
1: I don't like the word failure because I just don't think people really know how to talk about it in a Real kind of relatable way. Like, I think it's just that, oh, I failed. And, and I also think that it doesn't help when, when so much of the content that we see. All over social media. I mean, I'm not on TikTok. I have no idea what's on TikTok. I'm just like, people are like, Maddie, you should go on TikTok and download TikTok. I'm like, nah, nah, leave me alone. I'm cool. But when you see stuff around success on Instagram, on LinkedIn, for example, when people are like, first year of business and I've hit six figures, five figure month. Yeah. You know, all of this stuff that actually I see a lot Gosh, I'm just like, man. I feel like I'm failing. I'm, I feel like I've, 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 I'm failing
0: already. Yeah, yeah. But
1: for me personally, my, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23. I'm now 36, and I'm just like, I'm seeing this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> like. I mean yeah great like amazing that that people are achieving that but I'm just like okay cool what's wrong with me what am I doing wrong like what's what's not working or what am I you know (laughs) and I guess you know there's a there's a point to be made here that everyone has their own path everyone has their own journey and some people fail loads and some people don't fail so much some people like nail it and actually have that whatever you want to call it bit of luck right at the beginning of their journey but also there's backstories to that as well they might have been luckily and fortunate enough to have had some support from their family with finance they might have had a corporate job which has given them massive massive like opportunity to kind of like shoot into something quite quickly everyone's got their different different past everyone's got their different approaches and their different stories and for me i think failure has been become a massive part of and really learning how to make friends with failure and also this failure is is connected very much to fear and understand that actually failure has a function. It has a purpose. What it does so beautifully is when something doesn't work out, as you've visualized it in your head and how you see it in your mind because entrepreneurs and people who are creating things for other people like we start with the idea we start with the dream we start with the that moment of oh my gosh this thing's keeping me awake at night like I need to make this happen then you go for it and when it doesn't work out that's the feeling of failure that's the feeling of shit like that didn't work out the way I wanted it to but but failure then comes at you when you're on the floor and you're crying and you're snot everywhere and you're just like no leave me alone I'm tired which happens to me a lot gives you an invitation to say hey hey you it's cool don't worry you've got this yeah but also here is here's an invitation to 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 go again Want to do this again? Want to go again? Should we go and create something again? Should we go and do this and take all of the lessons and learnings from that shitty experience of actually trying and go and do it again? Yeah, that's okay. Now we're smarter. Now we actually know what doesn't work and what might work. Let's go again, man. Let's go again. And that's
0: what failure does. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, you're right. And you mentioned that uh, now on social media, you usually just hear yeah, stories of success and uh, like few people share their failure stories. And I think this phenomenon can frighten people to take their own setbacks and uh, failures sometimes because th- they think that, no, it doesn't go with this success formula. So I can't make mistakes so often. And maybe it can frighten people stop doing what they tried to do before. So yeah, you're right. The thing here is that making mistakes is okay, and it's integral part of any success story that you are aiming to. And also, I think with this journey, when people try something and then make mistakes, sometimes they can't value these slight, small steps that have already taken. You know what I mean? Okay, maybe the big goal that you aimed to, it hasn't happened, it has failed, but some moments you did something right. Sometimes we did not notice it you know we just went through it and marked the whole project like failed yeah now I'm with you but I love your point there though I really love your point about
1: you know sometimes we come up with these big ideas which are amazing you know the big ideas are audacious and scary and duh like they scare crap out of us they scare crap out of the people who we tell these ideas to and they're just like really okay cool good luck with that but actually They're so big that you need to sometimes reset, and I've and I've been that person many times. (laughs) We 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 get so obsessed with the vision that we forget that there's a journey towards it. There's baby steps. There's maybe longer strides when you start getting in a rhythm. You know, it's again, it's a it's a journey, and a failure is a part of that to get into that vision, to get into that dream, to making it a reality. But the breaking it down part, so it actually feels more accessible and it feels more like doable. That's the bit that it's so important for any entrepreneur to learn. And you can only learn that when you throw yourself into it. You know, I'm so, so like seeing people and there's so many people and it makes me so happy and it makes me so proud to be a part of this entrepreneurship culture because seeing more and more people brave that path to shop and actually do something that they've been wanting to do maybe for years, but just haven't had the courage, haven't had the emotional support, haven't had the financial support, haven't had the environment to be able to go and do that and feel comfortable doing it. More people are doing it, which is saying to other people, hey, you can do it too. And when it comes to failing, we need to talk more about it in our own sort of everyday human stories to show people that actually this is all part of the journey. This is all part of the becoming the entrepreneur, the successful, incredible, inspiring, empowering person that you are born to be. It's amazing to be a part of that and to also be sharing you know, you see my stuff on LinkedIn, I'll openly, sometimes I really these kind of think, maybe I'm oversharing a little bit too much. Maybe I'm sharing too much of my failure.
0: No, you know, I, I, <laughs> but I like it. I like it. You know, I see honesty. Yeah. It's not like typical success stories. You know, I started with £100 or $100, like American story. God. And then now I have like a huge <laughs> business imperial. Oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah. No. Those are shocking draws.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I I feel like those stories are toxic, man. I see those stories, and I and I do value that because those are the stories that kind of made me feel like yeah i could do that too i could start with 100 pound and then turn that 100 pound into a thousand and turn that a thousand into a million like real quick like i remember that that was my 20s i was like yeah i'm gonna be a millionaire by 30 i'm gonna be on forbes 30 under 30 i'm gonna be on a ted (laughs) stage before i'm 30 i mean i only did that this year do you know what i mean but i did it but even with those other things like i haven't made millions i haven't been on any lists or recognized for being I don't know successful like not really in the whole financial kind of numbers success that people kind of connect to that and and the meaning of success like no not at all my journey has been a mess it's been an absolute fucking mess many many people really really struggle it's hard it's hard yeah and the hardest bit that I found personally is is the emotional part, the real kind of, gosh, I care about this so much. I want to do this so hard and I want people to to love what I'm building and love what I'm creating so, so much and care about it as much as I do. And when people don't, that hurts. And really trying to navigate those emotions around that and keep going is actually the most difficult thing I think in entrepreneurship that no more fucking talks about. I'm like, why is no one talking about the emotions that surround starting building growing businesses? Like, why? Why is everyone just talking about all the, all the, all the shiny stuff all the time? It blows my mind. I'm just like, can we just stop? Can we just, can we just get real? <laughs> can we just get real? Like, I don't know. Like in my mind, I'm just like, for me, that's yeah. a no-brainer, but and, and that's why I show up on LinkedIn and share my truth. That's why I show up on LinkedIn and I and I talk in in raw terms. I share my fears. I talk about why I'm scared shitless. I talk about the the struggles I'm having with being pregnant, like heavily pregnant, with a husband that's just started a business, with me and my business hasn't been doing well this year. And I'm crapping my pants because I've got no savings and I don't know how I'm going to have time off to spend with my baby right now. Like I'm talking about that stuff because this stuff is real. This is real. And I'm really want to encourage more of that in this space. I really do because I honestly, deeply and truly believe it's going to help the next generation of creators and entrepreneurs. It's gonna help them immensely to navigate the emotions and navigate the mental health that surrounds starting and building and growing businesses.
0: Like that matters to me like massively, immensely. You can be sure that it resonates to many people because you tell the truth and the truth always resonates. So, yeah, that's very helpful and insightful. Let's dip into your first big startup business. It was Fashionably Skinned, right? Yeah, that's right. You started it at 23 and you raised around 150k pounds. Can you share this experience with us? How was it? Oh, yeah,
1: that experience. I remember when I got that email saying, yeah, we're going to invest. I remember the feeling and the feeling was, oh, my goodness someone believes in me someone someone believes in my idea and believes in me like that feeling when all you're doing is going and going and going and going and trying and showing up and doing the work and da, 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 da. like that feeling when all of a sudden an investor says I love what you're doing I believe in what you're doing I want to help you make your vision a reality oh my gosh it's like the most incredible feeling on the planet for me it was anyway until it all kind of blew up in my face and we'll get to that bit in a minute. But the first business that I had, Fashby Skin, that, yeah, that was, that was, that was a journey. And that was my first kind of, well, I say, you know, in school back in the day, I used to kind of like, I actually used to create games and make these little matchstick people and invite people. I didn't make money from it, but that's how I'd rally people together. So I'm very good at getting people together. Making money wise, I did that by getting all of my neighbors. Like this is when I was like 10, I would like rally up everybody in my, like where I lived in Kit and Reading. And I'd like, I used to write music and I used to write songs. So I had this song called Party Boy. I'm not gonna sing it to you because it's so so cheesy, but it's called part- <laughs> "Maybe Later." Maybe later. Maybe. Well, I'd say when I've had a few wines, but I can't do that right now because I've got a baby <laughs> in my belly. But you know, like uh, uh, after yeah. the birth, so ne- early next year, let's do that. Um, but I do remember ha- having like writing music, writing the song. And I remember this song "Party Boy" that I wrote, and this is in the Spice Girls era, so I was like 10 years old. And and I'd rally up all the kids who were like my age and some of the bit younger, and I'm like, right, let's cut. And I quote. I, how do you pronounce it? Choreography. Yeah. Choreograph. Choreograph. That's it. A dance routine. And then I'd make invitations and hand them out to everyone. but be like, right, let's charge a pound a seat for this show. And we put on a show for people. And that's, that's, that was like my first experience of like bringing people together, making people feel like a part of a community. And making a bit of money and then dishing it out between everybody. So we all made a bit of money and it bought us an ice cream, you know, they didn't buy as much, but it bought us an ice cream, and some penny sweets from the shop, but that was about it. But that was good.
0: You have had your entrepreneurial mindset from childhood. Yeah.
1: Hundred percent. I've I've always been like super creative. I've always been an entrepreneur even before I knew what the word meant. I mean, I still don't even know how to spell the word. I get the E and the U and all that muddled up all the time, like if I'm completely honest with you. Um <laughs> lots of spell checks on the word entrepreneur. <laughs> um, but yeah, fashion skin. Um well, the original idea was called Pink Mothballs, and we rebranded as Fashion Be Skim because the story that we had around the original idea, which was still an app that would let people mainly women that was who who are who are who our market was um females um swap borrow and lend and 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 buy clothes from each other um so that was like the original idea, and at that point when I first lo- launched it, it was just borrow borrowing and lending like swapping clothes. And it didn't really, I mean, this was the, this was in the early days of, um, like when fast fashion was like becoming a thing, like ASOS was taking off, misguided had just sort of popped up and pretty little thing were, were, were popping up and all of these other fast fashion brands. And that's what everyone was obsessed with, like fast fashion. And I was just like, damn, like how much of this fashion is like going into, landfill right now you know and and (laughs) and it was it was a ridiculous amount I can't really remember the numbers back then I think it was but it it was like tons millions like tons and tons and tons and tons of fashion that was being worn once or worn twice and just ending up in landfill when just just building up and building up and building up and I was like this is awful this is horrendous like I need to do something to sort this out but I also on the other hand so that was like my Purpose, purpose, part of the business, and and why I really cared from an environmental perspective. But there was also another kind of like frustration I had when my friends used to borrow my clothes and never give them back, and I couldn't remember who had what. So I was like, "Who's got my belt? Who's got my crop top? Who's got my ripped dem- denim jeans? Like, who's who's got this?" And I would just be like messaging people and just be, like, and then I I even remember like saying, "Do you have like sending a picture of me in it?" Like I'd had on Instagram or Facebook, and like this is the top I'm talking about. Do you have it? Because I, I feel I feel like I I lent it to you. Anyway, <laughs> but <it is. laughs> yeah. So I was like, we need to create an app to do two things: help people manage who's got their stuff, who borrows it. And also reduce, you know, that's extending our wardrobes. And I was like, oh, bear, more people, like, what if we could create these little micro communities, friends and friends of friends? Like, what if we could do that? So yeah, anyway, I had this idea. Um, and I was sat, I was sat on it for a few years, actually. This was like, I had this idea when I was like 21 and obviously, um, just got through uni and all of that kind of stuff. And when I got my first job in a marketing agency, which took a long time to get it because I graduated in 2008. Really struggled to get a job, like many, many, many people did then, because so it was the financial crash and yeah, the the recession and and very similar times to to how it is now, I'm sure. But um, found it really difficult. But eventually, I did get a job after lots and lots and lots of hustling um, and lots and lots of interviews and and yeah, trying very hard. But and then at the Christmas party one year, I got pretty drunk and and told shared my idea with 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 the chairman. His name was Alan, and and the next morning he dropped me an email, and I was just like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like, have I done something? I'm in trouble. I'm going to get sacked. Like, so I was I was like the 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 junior designer in this company. It was it was it's like medium like a small a small business, but growing. At about hundred people in, in this marketing agency, and I was like, I'm, I've lost my job. I've lost my job. I've said something. I'm in trouble. Um But no, he actually invited me into a meeting with him and the ceo I was like Amanda, tell him your idea i told him my idea and he was like he loved it his name was chris um and he, he was like love it like i want you to present a whole senior management team in two weeks time so they put me through like this business boot camp and ended up um developing my app under research and development under the business so i was doing my work mm-hmm. my day-to-day stuff but i was also working with the tech team there to develop this app because they also used it as a portfolio piece so that's how i got into it and that's how I started getting into this world of of entrepreneurship and tech and startup and fashion tech and all that and yeah long story short I got to a point where I was just like I really was getting itchy feet I wanted to do this full-time really wanted to do it full-time so I took that leap that oh my gosh okay cool let's let's do this then like yeah, my business is going to make money. I'm going to start making money soon. Like we had the app out, had a launch party in London, invited loads of fashion bloggers, got everyone there. And I spent loads of money. Well, I say loads of money. I spent about four grand, all my savings, by the way, <laughs> all my savings for a house to move out because I was living at my mum's um, on this launch party and all of these cool goodie bags and a cake that had an iPad in it that I actually got in the daily mail. i have to send you the link for that. Um And yeah, no, no one was using my app. No one, no one, no one cared. What people cared about was, was wearing something different all the time and not being seen in the same thing twice. That was the thing. That was the culture. That was what people cared about looking stylish and looking fashionable, but wearing something new and only wearing it once. And then buying something again, and that like people didn't want to wear secondhand clothes or keep things in circulation, keep keep items in circulation to save the planet. No one gave a shit. I gave a shit. No one else gave a shit. And that that was really yeah, that hurt. That that really did hurt. But I didn't kind of you know after I was on the floor for a little bit. Failure came in, gave me the invitation, and was like, come on, man, we can do this again. Let's 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 really look at where the opportunity is. Found the opportunity. Because you can't, in situations like that, what you do is you you look at, okay, well, no one's downloading my app, but who is using my app? I only had like a handful of people who were actually using it and enjoyed using it. And after doing some research to really understand why and who they were as people, like emotionally, and also like where I could find more of them, they were students. Mm-hmm. They were students. So I was like, okay, cool. We need to reposition this business and reposition this app to students so i had this campaign called fashion be skin presented to chris and he was like i think you should rebrand it as fashion be skin i think you should rename it and i'm like oh but i love pink mothballs i love that name but he was like no people aren't connecting with it emotionally like the name is important mcdonald's hello have you heard of that story the name is important <laughs> so yeah. important so um so yeah like I, I eventually i had to you know emotionally break away from this whole name of pink mothballs that i was like loving and the, but it wasn't working and the story wasn't working and i had to come up with a new name and create a new story around it that was specific and also resonated with the student market so i did that Left my job at the agency and then went and got a job in Vodafone part time because I was very optimistic and I thought I was going to make money sooner than I thought and I didn't and I was like shit how am I going to pay my mum some rent (laughs) how am I gonna how am I gonna live like I don't want you know like yeah Yeah. I needed to make a bit of money so I went and got a job in Vodafone in the Vodafone shop in Reading part-time and in that job I I mean I I just saw every opportunity to to talk to everybody about my business about my app so I was like cool I'm gonna make some cards and everyone that buys a phone from me I'm gonna say hey do you have anyone in your family at uni like, you know, are you at uni, like, oh I've got a really cool app. Like, you like fashion, right? You you love, you know, you care about the planet. A lot of the time most people didn't at that point, but I did, and I would have my little pitch. And then I would download the app on the phone for them, and that's how I started getting. So I I I used every opportunity and that opportunity specifically in Vodafone to to get traction, to gain traction. Then one day I served I was I served a guy who ended up being an investor. And, um again, talk to everybody about my business. Talk to every single person, even if it was a man, even if it didn't really, like, it wasn't really for them. Like, talk to everybody, right? And um he emailed me. I gave him my business card and a inf- bit of info about my business. And he emailed me the next day. And he was like, I love what you're doing. Let's have a chat. Literally two months later, after quite a few pitch decks and presentations in person in London, they agreed to invest £150,000. And that was my kind of oh my gosh, this is, this is happening. This is real. I can now do this full time and pay myself a little bit of money to do that full time. That feeling is incredible. Incredible. One, because you've got someone that really backs you and believes in you, someone that's given you money to do it. Like that money transaction is, there's so much meaning in that in terms of confidence and belief and power. And also that, that feeling, I could actually focus all my time and energy into something that I deeply, deeply care about and want to exist in the world. That moment was amazing for me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And I like the uh, the thing that at that time, you kept your positive mindset. Did you find that this part-time job purposely or it was just randomly and you got a wonderful job? I mean, like maybe you wanted to get this job to promote there and you found it very cool place where you can connect with people. Great question.
1: I actually got, I've, I've been working in phone shops since I was 16 and I loved it. I, I loved working and like sitting, I, I just love talking to people, if I'm honest. So I, I, I just think that's, I actually personally think talking to people and getting any job. So for anyone that's listening to this, who's working on their side hustle, if you want to call it, vision alongside a a day job or a part-time job getting a job where you're people facing getting a job where you're selling to people talk to people listen to people's stories anything like that is going to be the most incredible transferable skill that you can ever ever have especially in business
0: but the school thing it became also like a good promotion place all the we're you know, at that time. And after that time, how was this story developing after you got your first big investments?
1: How was my story developing? So how it was going? Um, yeah. Yeah. So after I raised the 150,000 pounds um for fashion be skim well the first thing i did was like okay cool i now need to i had a whole plan in place of how i was going to spend that money how i was going to grow the business what it was going to be used for and i was like okay cool i to make this happen now i, I promised loads of stuff i need to go and do this and then show that i can do this my my journey after that i i ended up hiring um a couple of people to to work with um to act to, to action the the plan that i had in play redeveloped the the model because fashion skin at that point was an app very similar to pink mothballs it was just a rebranded version of pink mothballs but actually the new business um, proposition and the new model was slightly different um it had an actual website and there was a virtual currency connected to it as well where people and we also had a a head of head office in northampton and where we had all of our stock and where people would send their clothes to us, to get it valued for the virtual currency that we had on Fashion Skint called Top, which then they could spend on other items on on the website, which are either sent in from others or um, from partner brands like ASOS, um, misguided, and a few others like Motor Rocks back back then as well. So it was very much activating that and getting ready to relaunch the business again. So Fashion Skint, that app, there was like Pink Mothballs V1 and then there was a v2 and there was, this is kind of like the v3 i was on a mission to to kind of get ready get ready with that and also prove myself in a way you know when 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 you get money from a, an investor when people sort of give you cash to go and actually turn all your ideas and your plans into in in into you know make it real there's a lot of pressure on you when you've actually got someone else to answer to now you know it's not just you anymore it's a huge responsibility yeah Yeah. it's a massive responsibility and it's and it's scary like it's scary again the failure thing is just like gosh like i need to i need to do this i need to I really do need to show up and and make this work. Like, and there's there's always this kind of feeling is like, I feel like I've only got one chance. I feel like if I don't nail this, then I'm, then, 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 then I've lost everything. So there's that as well. Again, it comes down to the emotional roller coaster that, that is attached to being an entrepreneur, being a business founder, being a business owner. Um, communication was really key. So I was always very, very open with my investor and very open with him about where I was at, how I was feeling, what I was struggling with, what I needed. In terms of support, I had an investment manager who was working with me day to day on my um and basically just checking in. So she was really great with that. And we became quite close. And then it got to two weeks before launch, like two weeks before launch of Fashion, Fashion Skin, after getting it all designed up, all built, tech. We had a, a relationship, a commercial relationship with a, a tech developer because we had we had 150k, but we only we got it in like installments. So with a VC, typically you you don't get all of the money in one go. You get it released on milestones that you hit um, against the plan that you've pitched. Well, that that was the, the the story and experience for me anyway. So I had 50k, and I was like, right, with that 50k, I need to chunk it down. I need to go and spend X amount on getting a load of stocks and building relationships and partnerships with up and coming and well known fashion brands. I need to build the tech and make sure that is being tested and that is working and that is shit hot because, you know, you've got, you've got strategic partnerships. Also, you need the tech and I also need to create, um, get someone into support with marketing. So those were like my three chunks of that first 50k. Um, and then I remember, so we had this, um, strategic partnership with a tech developer because we didn't have like 20 or grand to pay someone in one here. That would have been a massive, like, bite out of our out of that that chunk of cash so instead we we had a um a revenue share agreement so we put down like 13 ish grand um and then when fashion Be skin the new version launched like they'd get a revenue share in sales and that's how we kind of sweetened the deal w- with them and made it more afford- affordable for us as a startup um to get to market to achieve product market fit so anyway In a boardroom meeting with everybody, um, including my investment manager, and there was a big argument that happened over the commercials. Even though it's all been signed off, even though the tech, this was a boardroom meeting too because we're like two weeks before launch. Let's go through the tech. We've been doing so much rigorous testing. So we've done internal testing. We've done a beta testing with 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 a group of people and yeah we're like proper 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 ready getting ready gearing up for launch and they had an argument and my investment manager walked out the day after it felt like the day after it was probably a couple of days after um i got a phone call from them and they basically told me that they aren't happy with the agreement anymore with the tech developers and they're not going to pay any more money um and that they're not willing to invest the further hundred thousand pounds that they had committed and I was just kind of left just with this hole this sadness this I mean I i cried like I cried so hard because I just couldn't I was just like how like I don't know what to do you know how what do I do now like I'm meant to launch I've got all these big brands who are expecting this launch yeah. And and it just all came crashing down after that. It just all kind of it all fell apart. It all fell apart. So yeah, that was that was hard.
0: Oh my god, it's cool that you have this experience. And after this experience, you still went to get another experience, and it says a lot of things. <laughs> and I'm impressed by this. What motivated you keep trying after like facing such a significant setback? What motivated me to go again?
1: Yeah, what motivated me to keep going? Oh gosh, after after that massive, massive setback, a few things. I guess my belief that I am not meant to work for somebody, and I I, my belief that I'm not meant to work with somebody and for somebody. Something that I'm, I'm I always say is that me and all of us we're not here for very long. Like we're not here for very long, and I've always wanted to to spend my time. Here, doing something really meaningful. I've always wanted to do work that not just fulfills me emotionally and financially. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're not going to get fulfilled financially for a long, long time. Most yeah. People. <laughs> Some people do, but most people, you're not. Let's just be honest, let's be real. But for me, it was about it's just this fire that I have inside of me that just won't go away, it will not piss off it's there saying, Amanda, you are here for a reason. You are meant to do something that's going to change people's lives in some way, big or small. You are meant to do something and build something and create something and make a difference. Like That is your job. You have an assignment. You have a job to do while you're here for a very short amount of time. There was always just something inside. It was like a voice. It was like a feeling. It was like, it was, it's something festering and it's always been festering. And I really do see that whole experience with flashably skin with, with pink mothballs with, uh, I think—I see all of that as a testing ground for me, that was a testing ground. That was like the universe saying, Hey, like is this is your 10, let's just go and have some fun. Let's do this. Like, yeah, we're going to give you some stuff. We're going to take away some stuff. We're going to give you some more stuff. We're going to push you down the floor and then we're going to get you back up. And then we're going to you know go again. Like, all of that's just a testing ground and for me I was just like I want it I want it so bad I want to create and make a difference and inspire and encourage and change lives so much and I want to do that through what I create that matters to me and that's what's kept me going my my belief that i'm made for more that i'm meant for more that i'm born for a reason to make a difference i'm gonna keep going Like right? no one can even even if i'm bleeding <laughs> like i'm gonna i'm gonna get back up and i'm gonna go again because i really deeply do believe that i i, I i've got this that i can do this even the times where i really don't think i have i'm like no no Come on, girl. Yeah, You're more than motivated. Yeah. Like, like, pull yourself together. Like, We've got work to do. You have an assignment. Come on. We, we, we've got something. And I also do really, really believe that. I'm very grateful that all of that happened. I'm actually grateful for going through that pain. And I really do believe that pain and suffering is an incredible
0: gift. Yeah, I see. And uh, I think that each, I don't want to say like failed business, each business that you had must have had a profound impact on your career. Career journey, and uh, which variable lessons you learned from each experience that you have. Can you please share with us? Maybe key lessons that you can highlight. Key lessons.
1: Oh, there's so many. So I'm always a bit like. Oh, top talk- three. The top three lessons. Okay, thank you. That's good. That's good. Top three lessons for me that I think that I'd love to share is there's always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity even when you've lost one, like there's always another opportunity. Like There's always another, e- even when you feel like you're, it's, it's, it's not going to plan or it's not going as fast as you thought, in every moment of struggle, in every moment of pain and grief and, and loss or whatever it is that you've experienced on your journey as an entrepreneur, or even as a human being, let's be honest, like there's always there's 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 light there's light there is light and you've just gotta you've just gotta be present to see it so that's lesson number one. Number two is the people you surround yourself with is massively massively important. Surround yourself with people who see you bigger than you see yourself. That is important. When I look back to those moments when I raised that investment, even though. Shit went down, and it all came crashing down and fell apart. I was surrounded by people who believed not just in me but in the in in the vision they believed in the vision, so whether that's you hiring in the team, you know making sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who are on the same page with your values, your beliefs, your experiences, and who deeply deeply and truly believe that you are the person to to do this work, that there's no one else, no one else on this planet made for this, except you. So surrounding yourself with those people who encourage and celebrate you at every single step, even when you fall down those steps, is a big deal. It's big, 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 big. Um, Lesson number four, sorry, I've jumped. I've created a number four, the fourth lesson. Lesson number three. <laughs> oh, apparently, apparently, when you're, when you get into your third trimester or pregnancy, you, you get this thing called baby brain or pregnancy brain. That's okay. like, Now I have got that. <laughs> That's okay. But, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to believe maybe I do. <laughs> lesson number three. Um, is no when. To stop and know when to rest and really listen to yourself, really listen and check in with your needs and your wants and what feels good and what doesn't. It's so, so, so easy to keep going in the wrong direction, in a direction that isn't serving you anymore, that isn't making you feel good anymore. That isn't empowering you anymore. That isn't helping you to, to build and shape and, and become better at what you're doing anymore. It's so easy to keep going and keep hustling in the wrong direction and burn out. Like so, so easy. It's happened to me so many times. So knowing when to stop and when to, to, to listen to yourself, to, to yourself to know when to stop because it all comes down to a feeling that feeling of now I'm tired I'm exhausted this doesn't feel good anymore it's hurting it's not fulfilling it's not making me feel good on a emotional level and on a physical level I've got no time for my friends my friends think I think I'm flaky all I care about is making money and I'm not making money and something's not working like you know all of that stuff stop man just stop to stop go and have a bath go for a walk go and have a few days off Go and hang out with your nan or your mum or someone who loves you so, so dearly. Go and look through some photo albums of yourself when you were a little kid. You know, if you've got some or if your nan or someone in your family has got some, go and do that. That's soul work. That's real kind of let's connect back to your roots, to your origin, to your, you know, what got you to this point in my garage I've got a massive box of bloody stuff that I created from school that my mum kept for me and I was like oh I'm so, I'm so happy that she did that you know all of my uni work and things like that and and letters that I and journals that I used to write you know I'll go and I'll just sit there I'm just like well actually I don't sit in the garage because it's really it's really disgusting but you know I'll take stuff out and I'll sit <laughs> I'll sit with like a candle and a cup of tea and a, and some grapes you know and I'll just look through stuff and and it just brings me back it's so easy
0: to get to obsess
1: over everything so so much.
0: Yeah, you know, this third lesson resonates to me a lot because I'm still struggling to find this work-life balance. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, yeah, I feel that um, I overloaded myself with tasks. Mm. And when I uh, got to this point that I realized that I didn't manage to deal with all these tasks I got like emotionally dumped and you know, like, Oh no, why you didn't manage to do it? Yeah. I I got this point. (laughs) Good. I'm
1: pleased. I'm pleased. And I hope, hope for your listeners, that's really helpful. It's helped me actually to get out. So thank you for asking the question because sometimes again, it's, (laughs) as you know, from my LinkedIn stuff and the stories that I shared, it's been a really difficult, difficult time for me personally in the, in the last couple of weeks. It's, well in the last in the, <laughs> in the last 6 months if i'm going to be honest with you it's it's been it's been tough and navigating this whole whole experience of becoming a mum um and still um you know wanting my business to get to a point that would make me feel like yeah i've I've really achieved something and 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 it feels powerful and meaningful which it does to be honest but there's things that
0: haven't gone to plan i, I <laughs> say it one which... more time you should be proud of yourself because i'm impressed how you manage to deal with everything now and how you prioritize your task and how you find time so if you if, if you have any doubts don't have you you are doing well
1: thank you <laughs> and
0: the last question yeah how do you now treat and accept failures and how does your approach differ from the time when you just started your first business? Oh gosh, that's a
1: great question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's um it's different. Every failure for me is 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 different. It's a different kind of failure, right? Um and each failure is attached to fear. Um a fear of not being the person I thought I was going to be, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of not being perfect enough, or things like that, so actually I think it I think for me it's i I definitely feel a lot wiser than I did back in my early twenties a lot wiser um I'm still very optimistic but i'm definitely more real I'm more of a realist because I've experienced these moments of hanging out on the floor in my tears and bogeys um <laughs> but i do do feel like my relationship with failure is because i've really i'm very aware of my relationship with fear and and i'm not so you know I'm, I'm i'm there's i still have moments even like yesterday i was just like i sent a proposal off to a to a to potential new client, and then I did it, and I was just like, I feel like I should feel good, but I don't. I feel like I've failed, <laughs> and I've just sent a proposal, but I felt like I failed because I went back through the brief, and I was like, oh, but I didn't do that, and I didn't do that, and I didn't send that. Shit, I'm a failure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's and and that and that happened yesterday, and then the day before that, I was I was saying to my husband, I feel like I failed because I've I've got I've got no savings, like our cars broken down pretty much and our handle and our bathroom's just falling off and we keep getting locked in all the time and we've got a leak in our boiler room like <laughs> do you was know I mean? like, i'm failing we're failing like da-da-da-da. but actually no it's just it's just it's just what goes down it's it's just what happens and it's all connected to our fear it's all connected to the stories that are being shared in the world right now in society around just being human, being an entrepreneur, being a mum-to-be or a mother or whatever it is. It's just, it all comes down to us as human beings that we need to do better at sharing our truth. We need to do better at yeah. sharing our stories. Only then can we truly, truly start to, to show up and, and really feel more comfortable with failing and having fear i think yeah
0: no matter where you are on your career journey sometimes you're going to make mistakes and it's okay yeah it
1: is okay in fact do it make the mistake (laughs) fuck up like seriously (laughs) do it because you're gonna learn so much it's the journey it's all a part of the journey that that failure and that mistake is going to hands down put you on your path of power yeah
0: Thank you a lot for coming. It was very insightful conversation, and I think it also maybe helped you to render all that experience that you had. Yeah, that was a that. Thank you. That was a that was definitely
1: a a nice walk down memory lane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate it. Great questions, and really enjoyed this conversation and sharing sharing some of these stories with you. Thank
0: you a lot for coming. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Subscribe now to not miss the next remarkable story of turning failure into success and keep going.